This is People Every Day. Coming up, a deep dive into the mystery surrounding actress and Clueless star Brittany Murphy, who died unexpectedly 12 years ago at the age of 32. Plus, the new Texas abortion ban gets blocked. And a look at another mysterious death, that of a teen found in his high school gym. It's October 7th. Hello, beautiful people. This is People Every Day, and I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein, here to bring you the news and notes this Thursday. But first, speaking of beautiful people, I had the pleasure of getting a sneak peek at Blue. No, not Beyonce's daughter. Blue is the new solo exhibit from world-renowned South African artist Nelson Macamo. So Oprah, Ava DuVernay, and more are big fans, and you can add me to the list now, along with Tiffany Haddish, who I saw shopping for some pieces last night at Macamo's Delion pre-dinner and viewing. Good times with good people and great art. Well, onto the news. One major headline that caught my eye was that a judge has put a stop to Texas's abortion ban. Yesterday, U.S. District Judge Robert Pittman issued an order blocking the state's six-week abortion ban, also known as SB8. The temporary order blocks any officer of the state, including judges and clerks, from enforcing the ban, as well as private citizens who could bring civil suits and collect $10,000 in damages against anyone who violates the law. Pittman said, from the moment SB 8 went into effect, women have been unlawfully prevented from exercising control over their lives in ways that are protected by the Constitution. Big news. Well, moving on to another update in an ongoing saga. If you were wondering what Britney Spears' ex and father of her two sons, Kevin Federline, has been thinking amid all of her conservatorship drama? Well, now I can tell you. Actually, my colleague, Melody Chu, who has the latest on KFED, can tell you. Mel, take it away. Thanks, Janine. So we definitely have a lot of updates in our latest cover story. One of the people that our reporter spoke to is Kevin Federline's lawyer, uh, Mark Vincent Kaplan, who has represented him for years and years. And, uh, you know, he says that Kevin is in full support of whatever makes Brittany happy. He admitted he doesn't know the ins and outs and and what the court will do. But, you know, should the conservatorship terminate, his lawyer tells us that as long as the kids are safe and in a stable environment, that's all that matters to him. And uh, by all accounts, our sources say that Kevin is a very, very hands-on dad. Um, the kids are grounded and, you know, well-adjusted considering the level of fame and um, public interest in their parents. They spend most of their time with their dad. And that is something that our sources say Brittany would like to change in the future. She'd love to see her kids more. Our sources say that this is something she sort of blames Jamie for. Um, a few years ago, he and one of her sons got into an alleged altercation and there's been a restraining order against Jamie. She feels, you know, this may have impacted her relationship with her kids and she's hoping that changes. Thanks, Mel. Interesting stuff. Well, now it's time to dig in for what I'm calling a Throwback Thursday mystery. If you've been online in the past few days, you've probably seen a few headlines about Brittany Murphy, the beautiful young actress with curly red hair who starred in cult classics like Clueless, one of my favorite movies, as well as Uptown Girls and 8 Mile. She died unexpectedly in 2009 when she was just 32 years old. Her death was ruled an accident, but the circumstances surrounding it and her husband's sudden death less than a year later 
have made it one of Hollywood's most mysterious cases. Now, nearly 12 years later, her final days are the subject of a new HBO Max docuseries, What Happened, Brittany Murphy. She's also the subject of People's Cover Story this week, which digs into what is known as well as some of the chilling questions so many of us still have about her death. Senior movies editor Mia McNeese wrote the piece for the magazine and joins me now to talk all about it. Hi, Mia. Hi, thank you for having me. No problem. So let's start from the beginning. Can you just remind us what we know happened on the day that she died? Yes. So just five days before Christmas in 2009, Brittany Murphy's mother, Sharon, who was living with Brittany and Brittany's husband, Simon Monjack at the time, walked into their bathroom to find her daughter unresponsive on the bathroom floor. Now, we know that Brittany had been suffering from laryngitis and flu-like symptoms a few weeks before, but I don't think anyone realized how sick she wa- she actually was. So Sharon found her, immediately called 911, while Simon put her in a cold shower to try and wake her up, and then performed CPR. But unfortunately, it was just too late. Well, so in, in 2010, the L.A. County coroner ruled that she died as a result of untreated pneumonia, as well as drug intoxication from a number of over-the-counter medicines and anemia. So, so what did you learn about her physical health in the days and weeks before her death? Well, we know from speaking to people that, right, you know, in the months before her death, she had become extremely thin and extremely weak. In November of 2009, so the month before, Brittany Simon and Sharon had traveled to um, Puerto Rico to film the horror movie The Caller. Brittany actually ended up getting fired on the first day for her erratic behavior. But during their time, Simon and Sharon Mm. get a respiratory infection in Puerto Rico and then they come home and then um, Brittany apparently becomes ill from the same infection, but doesn't see a doctor. Well, yeah, that that leads to my next question. So the, the elephant in this story is the, and in the documentary, I guess, is her husband at the time, Simon Monjack. So tell me about who he was and their relationship. Yeah, so in the new documentary that you mentioned, um, you know, it really re- digs into Simon's kind of shady past. The um, documentary director, mm. Cynthia Hill, she spoke to so many people that knew him and knew Brittany and really said he was a disturbed individual who was used to conning people. And the documentary also interviews a filmmaker mm named Allison Burnett, who had Simon over for a dinner party in 1999. So this was, you know, before he was with Brittany and says that Simon um, at the dinner party was telling guests that he was a billionaire, that he had 17 Ferraris and had dated Elle McPherson and Madonna, none of which was true. You know, the documentary also interviews um, Simon's mother and brother. The brother admits that Simon, you know, was able to manipulate situations to get what he wanted. Wow. So so people spoke to a number of people who knew him, as you say, and including his one of them was his former fiance, um, who is also the mother of his child. So what did she say about him? Yeah, we spoke to um, his ex-fiancee, Elizabeth Ragsdale, who also appears in the documentary, but she told people that she saw very, you know, a lot of eerie similarities between her relationship with Simon and Brittany's relationship with Simon. You know, she said he Mm. would often comment about her weight, make her self-conscious, and then she saw Brittany losing weight. That when she became pregnant with their son, she got really, really sick, and Simon refused to take her to the hospital or to get her any help. 
Goodness. So yet another twist in the story, Simon died of very similar causes just five months after Brittany. So tell us about that. That was, you know, another shocking detail about this whole story. And he died from the same um, causes of Brittany, pneumonia and anemia. But clearly these are two very different people, very different shapes and sizes. So the fact that he died of the same thing is just still so surprising. Goodness. Well, I'm I'm wondering what questions do you still have? What do you feel like you wish you could find out about this? Yeah. So at the time, you know, they said there was no illegal drugs found in her system. But when they did search the home after the death, there was pill bottles, um, prescription medicine Mm. all over um, the nightstands by, you know, both sides of their beds, several prescription bottles in their name and then several Mm. aliases as well. Um, and then the doctors wow. that we spoke to as well said, you know, her anemia levels were so low um, and that, you know, she did have pneumonia. But the biggest question is, is that both of those things are treated. You know, young people don't need to die from pneumonia or anemia. They just need to go to the doctor. And so why didn't she go to the doctor? Why didn't she get the medical attention she needed? And a lot of the fingers point to Simon. He was very controlling. So, you know, the fact that he didn't get her to a doctor or she didn't get it to a doctor, I think that remains the biggest question. Got it. Mia, thank you so much. This is, it's still riveting I over know, a decade it later. It's still fascinating. And I think the more and more people, you know, they talk, that we talked to, just the more interesting this got. Next up, People crime editor Elaine Aradias joins me to delve into another mysterious death that's been resurfaced from years ago, that of high school student Kendrick Johnson. Stay tuned. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Guys, I'm here now with People Crime Editor Elaine Aradias to break down a story we're covering in the magazine this week. In 2013, 17-year-old Kendrick Johnson was found dead in his high school gymnasium. He was found headfirst in a roll-up wrestling mat, and authorities at the time said they believed that he got stuck there when he was trying to retrieve a pair of shoes. Since then, there have been a number of questions about his death, especially after a second autopsy commissioned by his family concluded that he died from blunt force trauma. The case has dragged on for years with no real conclusion. And in March of this year, a local sheriff's office in Georgia announced that it would reopen the case. So, Elaine, there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, Can you walk us through just the big points first? When was he reported missing? When was he found? And what are the dominant theories about his cause of death? The initial facts are pretty straightforward. On January 10th, he goes to school and never returns home. And this was unusual. He was big into sports. He played football and track and basketball. His parents said that there were times that 
he would stay after school for a game. So maybe that's what he did. And so they called around. They didn't hear from him. So they filed a missing persons report. Hmm. On January 11th, his mother goes to school thinking maybe he will show up. And it is while she is in the counselor's office that the counselor receives a call and she can hear the other person on the line saying that there's a body inside the gymnasium. You know, she just couldn't comprehend any of this. And just from the start of how the school handled a death was questionable and concerning. Yeah, yeah. And so what was the initial thinking? And then what does she feel? It was ruled an accidental death by accidental asphyxiation. On the 11th, students were inside the gym and they see some sock-covered feet poking out of one of the mats. Mind you, from top to bottom, these mats are six feet tall. So the police came and they think, oh, he was trying to retrieve his shoes and he fell in and that's how he died. Wait, and so there has to be cameras and things like that. No one saw anything that day? Actually, there is surveillance video from all across the school. All of them seem to be working except for the one pointed at the mat where this incident would have happened. And Kendrick's mother finds it completely suspicious. And it's just another question that surrounds his death. So what about his parents' autopsy? What what is that raising now? So the thing is, is that no one could believe that this is how he died, especially when there were multiple sets of shoes. So they don't understand why there were different kinds of shoes. There was blood at the scene. So after they buried their son, they exhumed his body to have a private Mm. investigator do an independent autopsy. And in their findings, they say that he died from blunt force trauma. Wow. And that that might explain why blood would be on the scene. So, so another puzzling element in this case is that his organs were missing. I mean, there are some experts that say this is not uncommon for organs to be removed during an autopsy, but... Take me into why this happened, possibly, I guess, in his case. And and, and how does this sound to you? In all my years of covering crime, I've never heard of organs being discarded without the family knowing. When the body was exhumed, they discovered that the organs were replaced with newspaper. So in the independent investigation, they were not able to, you know, weigh organs, test if there's anything inside the organs. Oh, wow. So when I asked the sheriff about this, he said that it was not uncommon because the organs were decomposed. This sounds just so tragic and wild to me. I mean, the case itself has made national 
news, of course, for years now since it's been going on, which led the Department of Justice to send two homicide detectives to look into it. So did this lead to more answers or more questions with them getting involved? It actually raised more questions. And in the course of the investigation, a grand jury was convened and no charges were ever filed. At this point, there is no crime. And that is because the death certificate was ruled accidental. Had they said that it was undetermined, then they could have sort of kept going and at a later date change the death certificate. And I will say that the sheriff told me that his goal is to provide evidence to show one way or the other. But I cannot imagine what it must be like for a family to have question after question for their child's death. And why would you give up searching for answers? That was People Crime Editor Elaine Aradias on the mysterious case of Kendrick Johnson. For more on this story, head over to People.com. Also, check out True Crime Week on Stitcher, where they are kicking off October with the best true crime podcasts around. Listen to those podcasts, this one, and more, all for free on Stitcher. And now, before you go, something to make you smile, especially if you're a dog lover. (laughs) So there are people who hate cats, and there are people who really, really hate hated cats. (laughs) Yes, for the latter, I'm talking about the much maligned 2019 motion picture adaptation of the iconic musical Cats. Although the movie brought major star power like Taylor Swift, Jennifer Hudson, James Corden, and Judi Dench, it famously didn't do well and did not live up to the hype. Now we're learning that Andrew Lloyd Webber, the musical's original composer, is not only on the list of Cats movie haters, he told Variety that he was so unimpressed with the film that he bought a therapy dog to cope. (laughs) That's right. The original Cats composer got a dog to deal with how much he hated Cats the movie. Weber said, I saw it and I just thought, oh God, no. (laughs) Just wow. (laughs) I will talk to you all tomorrow. And don't forget to subscribe to People Every Day on Amazon Music or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 